1: Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. Corey, Listen. We've talked about the divisions last week. Lo and behold, things are changing there. We've talked about NIL, and we'll get to a little bit more of that on the national scale here later. But I want to talk about Beaver Stadium because Beaver Stadium is a topic of conversation. In fact, earlier this week, I was talking with a couple of people in the Kirk Press Box. Um, a friend of ours, Trey Wilson, is a Virginia Tech guy. And if you remember correctly, Penn State and Virginia Tech were supposed to have a home and home that got canceled because of COVID. Well, two of those state, those two stadiums in Blacksburg in in University Park are probably the most unique and cool atmospheres throughout all of college athletics and college football. So we miss out on two spectacular performances, the Enter Sandman um, at Virginia Tech and and that entrance and, and what that means and the whiteout at Penn State are, I think, probably two of the top, if not the top, traditions in college athletics. But. Beaver Stadium aesthetically is not pleasing. Um, and you only get that atmosphere for the whiteout. So, what, you know, let's talk Beaver Stadium here, right? What's good and bad about Beaver Stadium as we talk about it today?
0: Yeah, I think this is an important discussion about the present and future of Penn State football because Beaver Stadium is an iconic, tremendous venue to host a sporting event with 107,000 people and national recognition, phenomenal atmosphere, the whiteout. There are a lot of great things about Beaver Stadium. So what we're going to get into throughout this whole podcast is basically what are the pros and cons of Beaver Stadium now? Should Penn State rebuild or remodel Beaver Stadium? Should they just scrap the whole thing and build another stadium? And we'll, we'll really get into that in in a few minutes, but clearly the pros of Penn state are that when you're in the stadium watching a game, the atmosphere is phenomenal. Now, Jared, you've been to Penn state games as a fan. I've only ever been to Beaver stadium as a member of the media covering games, still be it uh, a crazy Ohio State whiteout, or the kick six Tom Bailey, whatever the case, Michigan, you know Beaver Stadium is a unique and phenomenal atmosphere. What what's your favorite memory and experience inside the stadium uh, as a fan?
1: Well, I think my first game it was a whiteout. Juice Williams was the quarterback at, at Illinois. I sat in the last row of the stadium, right underneath the scoreboard, and that was when uh, Penn State's. Blue Sapphire, which is the featured twirler, was now actually a friend of mine, uh, PJ Mayerhofer. Um, she's an Altoona alum, so I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I was a uh, junior in high school at the time, and so that puts me right about 2007, I believe it was. And it was just an incredible atmosphere because when you do, when they do Zombie Nation, and it was this this is really about the time we're in physics. We had been talking about uh, sound and op- and haptics and vibrations so we we talked about beaver stadium and when you do zombie nation you jump around the stadium shakes so you i saw it shake in person and we've been in the press box and we felt it go side to side and and sway and first of all you think that it's going to collapse but it doesn't which is both unique and scary and your stomach is in your throat and it's it's an incredible experience um, sitting down wise. You're on cold, You're on bleachers. Now I remember Michigan state a couple years later, uh, it was snowy. It's always late in the season when they play Michigan state, uh, it seems. So it was snowy. The wind was swirling and that was miserable because it was both at our backs, at our fronts and that stunk. So I'm very thankful that I sit in the press box now, but there isn't to me a bad place to watch the game. What isn't fun is sitting on those metal bleachers. If you're sitting outside the Nittany lion
0: club throughout the game. Okay, so it is an incredible experience there. What's the experience of going to the bathroom? Oh, you, it's all about the trough, man. It's all what's about the trough. The, what's the experience of going to the concession stand? Um, well, that that's a good question. I haven't been there in a what's, while. What's the experience of those are tight, tight, tight seats. Oh, yes, they're very they tight. They cram people. Okay, so the point of this is there is no question that you see it on TV. Phenomenal uh, atmosphere, certainly the wideout is great, the student section is great. There are sensational things about Beaver Stadium and especially with the history. You ever worry about your safety at Beaver Stadium, Jared?
1: No, I, I wasn't. Um, I never
0: I'm... you've never you've never worried about a decades old stadium that is very creaky underneath and you ever thought, man, there's a hundred thousand people in here. God forbid everything, anything ever bad happens structurally.
1: No, I, I don't think I've ever been in fear of that because I just don't think of that. I, I mean, when I'm at the game, I'm kind of focused on the game. Now so- I will say when there are court or not or field rushes, that's when I feel like I'm at my most vulnerable. Um, just because you're, su- you're just supremely outnumbered, right? It happened in the slow, the slowest field rush at Ohio state this year. Um, but when they beat Ohio State in years past at, at Beaver Stadium, that's when it, it gets kind of worrisome. But I don't ever think of that because, I mean, to me, uh, more often than not, I know that the, those stadiums are pretty trusted. Uh, I know that there are some optically not the greatest situations. But again, Penn State, I, I trust the people that are in charge there that they if there is something st- structurally deficient, um, then they would have caught it and it wouldn't be an issue.
0: Okay, so what we're going to talk about in the second segment is whether or not Jared is right and how much money it's going to take to make sure that what Jared said is correct. And this will be something that will offend people, and I'm sure this will be something that people will say, well, there goes Geiger hating on Penn State. I'm not. Penn State, Beaver Stadium, in a lot of ways, is a dump. It's not a great stadium in a lot of ways the atmosphere is phenomenal all you fans are phenomenal what they pull off there with 107,000 people is phenomenal getting all the national recognition is phenomenal are you comfortable there do you feel safe what's it like going to the bathroom how about for handicapped people do they have reasonable access what happens if they're this came up with a discussion with somebody there what happens if there's a lightning storm and people have to get out of there? How difficult is that? Brutally difficult. Um, So look, there's no question that Beaver stadium, when everything is going well and everything's fine is a tremendous, tremendous example of what college football is. And, and certainly a representation of the Penn state fan base, but as a facility, as a venue, I think it's ugly from the outside. It's gorgeous on the inside. It's a giant erector set. When they came up with the facilities master plan a number of years ago, they came up with gorgeous reconstruction uh, pictures and possibilities with a light Brown brick skin around it. Make the, would make the stadium look gorgeous. But again, we're going to focus on all of this a lot more in the second segment. But for everything that you say that's great about Beaver Stadium, I'll come back and, and ask you a question of, well, uh, I think there are these problems and, and they're, they're going to have to be fixed.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. So we're when we come back from uh, this quick break, we'll talk more about what they should do at, at Beaver Stadium and whether they should just tear the whole thing down on the We Are podcast and K Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast on the UK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Geiger. I'm Prugar. Corey. Tear down, rebuild, revamp. Those are all options. They're all costly. It's gonna cost an arm and a leg and maybe yeah. your two feet and um from some fingers and, and toes and, and everything in between, right? So you mentioned the erector set, right? Because Beaver Stadium in its existence was when it first was it Beaver field and then came um, to Beaver stadium. It, it was much different. It had a track for track and field. Um, and you can see the original bowl, which I think is a unique part of it. It's much like mm-hmm. Michigan At- stadium mm-hmm. where you can see the original facade. Um, and then they built out around it and up. Um, so I think that's unique. And then you see where the, they just put the the steel and the aluminum and, and everything on top of where things were. And then, you know, the last, um, the last end zone, the Mount Nittany side, uh, finally going up. That's the most modernized section um, of the stadium. Clearly, it's got the it houses the media work facilities, the Nittany Lion Club, the recruiting lounge, Penn State's locker rooms, um, and and the um, museum. So that's all the new stuff, the unique stuff. Right, everywhere else is much different. Obviously, you have the suite level, which isn't bad at all by any means. Um, but looking up at it, you know, you can see the segments that they built the stadium in, which is both unique and kind of concerning at the same time.
0: Well, and look, nobody cares about where the media sits, but the press box really for that level of a stadium is embarrassing. Uh, it's, it's not a, it's not, uh, I don't necessarily always feel particularly safe in there and they've done work there as well. So what we're going to get to here is, the cost. There's no easy answer here, okay? Uh, I have heard people speculate this number. The number seems reasonable to me that if they were, are going to renovate Beaver Stadium with everything that it would take to modernize the facility from a structural standpoint, safety standpoint, the bleacher stuff, um, accommodate fans better, accommodate handicapped people better, Jared, you're talking half a billion dollars. And I, I think that number is very.
1: That's a low ball.
0: That's realistic a realistic. And it might, yeah. it might be low. Okay. So if you're talking half a billion dollars to renovate the stadium, then you have to start asking yourself how much would a new stadium cost? So I'm going back here. In, in March, Penn State sent out a questionnaire. Uh, a football survey to um, some football fans not everybody got this but some fans got it here's one question that was part of that survey okay here it goes if the cost of a renovation to beaver stadium is similar to the cost of a new stadium and the new stadium offered an improved overall experience as well as a longer life than a renovation would you support the development of a new stadium my God, that's a terrible survey question that you're just going to send out to people. It's way overworded yes. uh, from a PR standpoint. But basically, they're saying, if the costs were similar, would you be okay if we built a new stadium and did away with our iconic stadium? And that's really where we are here, Jared. Because, again, say it's $500 million to renovate. A 100,000-seat stadium today, the cost of equipment, I mean, you'd think you could get it for a billion but could you, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that number is even feasible. It might be a billion and a half. And so I don't, I don't know what the line of demarcation would be Jared about if the renovation is 674 million versus the new stadium is 1.3 bill. I mean, there will come a point where the renovation number is so high that really, Hey, Jared, if you have a car and your car is worth $8,000, and you got to spend $6,000 to fix something, mm-hmm. you're not going to do it. You're going to go get a new car.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's a tough spot to be in because yeah, clearly it needs renovations um, from the, from the surface level, right? The field level is fine, whatever, but the stadium itself, um, the infrastructure is for the most part. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, you got to figure out what you're going to do financially because listen, they're not out of the woods financially yet from the pandemic and Penn state is struggling. It's not, um, it's not one of those situations where it's like, Oh, well shit. um, You know, they have this influx of money. They still have to pay for the last renovations and, and other facility upgrades throughout campus. Um, But it's just one of those situations where what do you, what's your priority here? Because if mm-hmm. you look at it, if I'm building, if I'm going to, build a new beaver stadium, right? My goal is I'm trying to re and that's the tough thing too. You have to recreate what makes the old beaver stadium special or completely get away from it, which is what you've, what your brand is. Beaver Mm -hmm. stadium is Penn state's brand, Mm -hmm. the whiteout, the atmosphere, the uh, zombie nation, sweet, the size, the The size. size, right? That's a, that's a lofty lofty project. So are you better off renovating and patching things together and, and fix and piecemealing things, or is it just one of those situations where you just, if there's plenty of space by no means. I, I, I don't think that be that Penn state is out of space up there because it's all farmland. It's all grass area. They have places. They okay, can build but, a new Beaver stadium, but
0: let me say but, this though. Okay. It's got to be on campus. Oh yes. Because for what you just said, a huge part of what makes beaver State great is it's there on campus, so you can't i don't think you can build it across you know a, a mile down the road if it go if it's going past the uh, you mm-hmm. know the, you know the the highway and everything like that you, because then you'd create problems of getting students there you know you you create uh some some parking problems some uh, automobile types of problems, those kinds of things. You got all the fans that do the RVs, and that's a big part. So that that is interesting because I think a huge part of everything that you just said is the location, 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 location. If they could find a spot, and I, I've heard some theories about maybe they move a certain athletic field near, nearby or what have you, do some other things. Maybe they could do that. But paramount is it's got to st- It's got to stay really close to the current location. Right.
1: We, we see all the horror stories from schools that aren't on campus and Penn State's not an overly difficult campus to travel, though a lot of kids don't have their cars. And, you know, if I'm moving a field, it's probably the soccer fields and some of those paid parking lots where they could just build it right next door. But again, what's difficult for me and my opinion is and I know that we're probably not getting to this point yet, but I would renovate. I wouldn't rebuild. And the reason why is because to it's your brand. It, it's as much as it would be, it's not going to ever have the same lore. If you were to rebuild, you can make new memories. Sure. But you can't, you can't take away the atmospheres, the experiences, um, The base of the stadium, the the ground level, needs updated. Now, if you remember one of the games where we had to walk down the tight the catwalk from the press box to the to the ground floor because it was uh, the elevators were broken, that was an experience. That stadium might not look like it's high up off the ground, but for somebody that's scared of heights, it's super high. Um, So my recommendation, obviously, is is renovating the press box, renovating the the stuff that needs done. And and right now the facilities plan is that that is the case but my thing is i can't take away that that experience because if i try to do something new you're never going to replicate it it's not going to be the same and that's that's the 500 million dollar question what do you do my opinion is to renovate because really it's just never going to be the same if you don't
0: My suggestion is to tear it down and rebuild because it is going to cost you an arm and a leg to keep putting Band-Aids and patches on problems instead of just ripping off the Band-Aid and starting over. Now, I, I can understand where you who grew up as a Penn State fan, and maybe anybody who's listening that grew up as a Penn State fan, you want to cherish that you want to cherish those, those memories. Um, first and foremost, no matter what they do, they've still got to have 102, 205,000 people. That is, that's the biggest thing. They need those mm-hmm. seats because they need the money. But here's the thing, Jared. This is not a singular isolated discussion. This is a discussion about Penn State's place in the world of college football. And there are a lot of issues with Penn State financially in trying to keep up in the arms race with everybody else. So let's say you do what you, and look, I do think what's going to happen is what you're talking about. They're going to keep putting band-aids and they're going to spend hundred million here and 125 there and 80 million here, 60 million there. And they're going to kick the can down the road. Instead of just, instead of biting the bullet and spending 1.2 billion, they're going to kick the can down the road as long as they possibly can and milk this out. Decade after decade, instead of just biting the bullet, but what that's going to do is over time, they're going to spend way more money. If you follow what I'm saying, right? Than if they just fix the problem, it's it's the whole thing of look. I will fully admit this. I stop at the grocery store every day. My I'm I have a wife and two kids. We should go grocery shopping for two to three weeks worth of food. Every economist in the world will tell you you will save a tremendous amount of money by planning ahead, going out and getting your one gigantic order at the grocery store, as opposed to going and spending $12 a day for this meal, $14 the next day. We go day by day. It's the worst way you can do it. But that's how I like to do it. And my comparison is, I think that's what Penn State's going to do. They're going to shop at the grocery store every day and kick the big can down the road instead of going out and getting their bulk order uh, of a $1.2 billion stadium. They're going to end up spending way more money over the course of a 30, 40, 50-year period. And, and, and quite frankly, I, I, I think the number, hell, they could end up spending 30, 40, 50% more money if they just nickel if they just keep patching band-aids.
1: Right. And I mean, there's only so much you can do. Uh but but there aren't very many college stadiums being built. Um now it's different in professional football and and all that fun stuff, but I, there isn't a right or wrong answer. Um because listen, as much as I would love to have 500 million dollars in the bank or whatever, that would be great and I really probably wouldn't be on this podcast if that was the case, but there's just you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place yeah because piecing it together is going to be the cheaper option in the short term but over the long term are those options that you do that you patch up are they going to be sustainable for years to come and and who's to say there's not going to be issues with a new stadium mm-hmm. penn state's not in the greatest of climates in the winter um you know it's wet it's 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 snowy. It's cold. It's well, Jeff, that's
0: another component is winterizing Beaver Stadium from everything I've ever heard is a massive ordeal and very costly.
1: Do you remember when the pipes froze for the Michigan State game on Thanksgiving yep. Uh, yep. week, the one that one year that was entertaining? But yeah, I mean, it, and that's every stadium, it, it seems. I mean, and B, even Beaver Stadium is not young. It's old. Um And it's just one of those situations where. Hey, what's going to be the best option moving forward for, for Penn State? And, you know, the arms race, which, what, what's going to generate more revenue for them? A brand new stadium or, or an old stadium based on tradition that people love going to, right? Happy Valley, it, it turns into what? The third largest city in the state um, on Saturdays during the fall. So that's, you know, that's a situation too, because what's going to create the most
0: revenue streams coming in? In year five, in year 10, right. in year 15, it's renovating Beaver Stadium. Right. In year, in year 50, it's rebuilding Beaver Stadium. That, that's what we're talking about here. Are we going to fix the problem right now? And look, homeowners across this country face this exact same situation. If you own a house and something bad happens to your house – and you you have to start playing with the numbers, playing with the math. How much do I spend on this roof and this furnace and this, you know, water heater? It's not a hot water heater, by the way. That's one of my pet peeves. It's not a hot water heater because the water's already hot if you're heating it. So it's a water heater. Just just throw that out there as a pet peeve. But the point is, if you're a homeowner, you face these situations, you face these, these discussions, just like if you own a car. How, how do I get by and spend <clears throat> as little money maybe as I can now versus the long haul. And that I, I do honestly believe that over the long haul, they would, they would save probably a really significant, I mean, hundreds of millions if they would build it. But it would, it would be a pain in the ass for the short term. And in life, most people don't like to have to deal with the pain in the ass for the short term.
1: And let's be real. Nobody likes change, right? Change is not fun. Um, but again, the good news is Corey, we get to sit here and debate about it. while We don't have to make that decision. And that is,
0: yeah. And Sandy Barber is retiring. You got a new AD and Patrick Kraft. He's going to be part of making that decision. And that's where I think things, think things get really, really intriguing Jared, because Sandy oversaw the fundraising and the facilities master plan for the last five years. And basically, you know, the the big things didn't get done. They've gotten some things done and I'll give them credit. Now they've handed the ball off to Patrick Kraft and it's going to be up Mm -hmm. to him. And, and, and a lot of the things that, the ideas that he's bringing in, this is where these discussions, because quite frankly, I was at the press conference five years ago when they introduced the facility master plan and, and they've done very little along, along the way and they're still sending out surveys and, 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 and all this stuff here five years later, some of that's maybe because of COVID, but I, I'm just sitting here wondering when the hell they're gonna get to any of this stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the other thing too. You mentioned COVID, I mentioned it before too. They're not out of the woods economically from that. Um, the whole landscape of, of the college atmosphere and the college lifestyle has changed, right? How easy for it is to go virtually now. Um, so that's a factor too, because in all honesty, college, uh, is yeah. right now a business? It's big business. Let's be real. Yeah. And, you know, moving forward, is that landscape going to be different? Because now there's a focus on trade schools. What's that going to do to enrollment? I know at Penn State Altoona, which is our local branch campus, they had to cut programs. So and, and that's a two year school where they can go up to Penn State, Maine in University Park. Uh, after 2 years or they can stay oh, there for man. 4 years. So it's just going to be interesting to see how this kind of works itself out because we are years away from this settling uh settling itself out here um as far as the college atmosphere and college experience goes.
0: Man, I could go on for an hour about this. I love that you mentioned that. I do think everything you said is very important with regards to what are college is going to be like 10, 15, 20 years from now. what's what's the budget going to be like? Uh, We could do a podcast called the, we are not going to cop. Hey, look, I think college is a gigantic fraud and we can do another talk or segment on that at some point. But I'm telling you, man, when you've got to spend a hundred, $150,000 to go get a job that you've got to pay your college education back for 30, 40 years. And in a lot of ways, handcuff and cripple your family for 20, 30, 40 years, uh, college. I, I grew up saying, of course, I'm going to go to college. Of course, my kids are going to go to college. Right now, I think college is a fraud. I absolutely do. I think college is in business to be in business. I don't think higher education is the primary goal of colleges. I think colleges' their primary goal is to be. But anyway, that's a rant. We can maybe get into that some other time. But, I, but I'm glad you brought it up because it is important if Penn State is trying to figure out what its budget's going to be like in 30 to 50 years. Well, how much of that will depend on if, if kids, if enrollment starts to drop in, in a lot of cases.
1: Well, on the same token, what's college football going to be like in 5, 10, 15 years? What's going to be the most sustainable moving forward? And that's, uh, that's an option. That's what Penn State has to figure out. And it's not, an easy, uh, it's not an easy fix. It's not an overnight fix. But, again, we don't have to do it. And you know what? While we're on the stock of big money, let's talk about that here in the third segment when we come back from the We Are podcast on the Pittsburgh or DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.
0: Hey Jared, you're not God. You're well, not, that's not the first time I've heard that, Corey. You're you're not God. Who makes you what makes you think you're God like Nick Saban, like uh, Jimbo Fisher said? That was hilarious, man. Uh, dude, I love listen, I
1: love studying coaches. As a coach myself, I have so many different books by different coaches from John Wooden to Nick Saban to Mike Leach to Bob Stoops. Um to everybody in between, Dean Smith. Um I first of all, I love Mike Leach. I, I I would kill to cover for Mike cover Mike Leach, coach with him, whatever, because I don't think we'd ever talk about football. And I think that's the coolest thing. But man, this little turf war is what's so great about this shit show that is college football right now. Because it is nuts. It is the wild, wild west. From the transfer portal to NIL, people are buying their players. It is insanity. And I'm here for it because it gives us something to talk about in the middle of the season.
0: You know, what I'm not here for is coach speak and coaches just giving their standard answers and avoiding anything. Uh, you mentioned Mike Leach, he, he's a quote machine. Here's the quote from Jimbo Fisher about Nick Saban some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal. You may find out a lot of things you don't want to know. We build him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out what he does and how he does it. It's despicable. I love it. That's great because uh, I, I think we have some honesty there. Now, look, I do think Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time, and what he's pulled off in this era is amazing. Uh, and you know, Jimbo Fisher used to be an assistant coach uh, of his. And do I also think that that Texas A&M bought these some of these recruits? One hundred percent, absolutely, 100%. absolutely. So I, I think Jimbo. Why Fisher's, wouldn't they? Right? Why Fisher's, wouldn't they? Right? I think he's full of a lot of crap too. So what you have here is. I'll, I'll borrow your phrase from earlier. You got a giant shit show, man. What you have is Nick Saban, who's been on top for a long time, and now the playing field is getting a little bit more level than he's comfortable with, and Dabo Sweeney's done this too. So what do they start doing? They start crying and whining. They don't want to see change. Who doesn't want to see change, Jared? The people who are the most successful don't want to see change. Right, because, because they've mastered what they've done. Correct. It threatens their ability to continue to be successful. So do I believe what Nick Saban said about Texas A&M? Yeah. But do I also believe that what Jimbo Fisher said about Nick Saban, that he's probably a pretty slimy dude in his own right? Absolutely. I believe that.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. You have to be uh, in in all honesty. I mean, you're, you're, you are trying to get the best athletes to come to your school to play for you so that you can make them millions of dollars while you sit there and make millions of dollars yourself. It's a, dog eat dog world out there right it's a i mentioned the wild wild west because i was talking about this um earlier this week and it's insane because there are no regulations it's a free-for-all and i really wish i was athletic enough to get this kind of money but again here we are so i have to keep doing this podcast but it's it's not going to fix itself i know we talked about this on your on your radio show on sports central uh and it's tough because You have to do what's best for your program that, and and that could also turn you off on some guys too. Um, Because now with all the money at stake, why, how many of these guys are just going to sit there, play a year, sit out and then go train and and go to the combine because they already got their money. Right. It's just, again, we talk about things not settling down this is going to ruffle college football for, for years to come. And I don't know that it's ever going to truly recover. And I don't know if it's necessarily a good or a bad thing yet either.
0: Well, it's definitely a bad thing because everybody's going to be breaking rules now, because what are the rules? They broke them even before. Sure. They've been breaking them for a long time, but now, and I I keep saying this, I wrote about it a while back, the double-edged sword of the transfer portal and NIL both coming into play at the same time. I will say this. Let me share this real quick, Jared. Uh, I was talking about this on my radio show last week about, uh, all right, so here, here's the rules for NIL, all right? Here, here's my analogy. Say, say you're on a highway that's 2,000 miles long, Jared, 2,000 miles, okay? You know that there's one cop policing that highway. Mm-hmm. You're going go to you're gonna go to the speed limit ever? There's 2,000 miles of highway. You, 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 there's one cop. You know, you're never going to get caught. The speed limit's 65. You're going to go 82? You're going to go 89? You're going to go 96? God forbid you go 125. I'm not, I'm, what I'm saying is, even if there's a rule, if you know there's no one that's there to catch you, these rules are useless. And that's where we are mm-hmm. with the NCAA and the oversight and the policing of these rules. There are supposed to be rules in place about tampering, supposed to be rules in place about pay for play you can't you're not supposed to be able to just point blank say I'm going to give you a couple million bucks if you come play for me that's not supposed to be how it works but there's no policing it and I'll go a step further I was having this discussion with our buddy Chris Carter uh, formerly here uh, of DK Pittsburgh Sports Uh, we we were just talking about this on my radio show and he expanded on my analogy Jared he said not only are you on that 2,000 mile highway and there's only one cop that cop doesn't even have a radar detector. Nor does the cop care, probably. <laughs> well, that, that's a good point. But he doesn't have a radar. So yeah. even if he pulls you over and says, you were going 103, you can say, where's your proof? You, you don't have any proof. And the cop wouldn't. That was, that was Chris Carter's uh, addition to mine. But that's the whole point about all these rules with NIL and money and everything involved now is, Whatever rules there are, there's no one there to please them. There's no way to prove it. And so, hey, I'm just throwing my hands up and saying this chaos. I just don't know how we're going to get out of
1: it. Yeah, I, and I don't see an end in sight because it's gotten too big, too fast, just like we talked about last week on the podcast. There's no end in sight, and it is a runaway freight train, and buckle up because it's going to be a wild, wild ride. And yeah,
0: all this this happened with Saban and Jimbo Fisher on the same week that Jordan Addison finally announces he's transferring from Pitt to USC. So there you go. There's the poster boy. There he is. The he will be the poster boy for how NIL really, really went awry very quickly.
1: Right. And hey, when you have those resources, hey, if you can afford a hundred thousand dollar truck, and it's not going to put a dent in your bank account to afford a hundred dollar truck, a hundred thousand tr- dollar truck, you're going to do it. And if you can afford that $3.2 million house and you can afford it and it's not going to financially restrict you, you're going to do it. And if you can go out and get the Blitnikoff award winner, you're going to do it just like you would do it in the NFL and go out and get that high priced free agent and hey, buckle up. It's going to be a wild one.
0: And you know what, Jared, if there are Penn State fans listening to this, because this is the We Are podcast and they're saying, ah. Uh bleep on Pitt as a lot of Penn State fans like to say wait till it happens to Penn State you, you can you can rip Pitt or Jordan Addison or anybody else and you can make fun of them wait till it happens to Penn State because it will it, it, it absolutely will there, there will be a Penn State player or recruit or what have you that gets more money from somewhere else and he will leave and then Penn State fans will see what it's all about it, it it's going to happen to most major programs it may not happen to a&m or alabama or these schools that can afford the, the most money but as we're talking about all this money penn state needs for renovations to the stadium and everything penn state needs a lot of money for a lot of things including keeping up in the arms race with nil
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see where penn state shakes out because again i was talking uh again with our, our friend trey wilson because Penn state and Virginia tech are kind of in the same spot as far as it's not the crazy South. There's not a lot of donor base there. Penn state has a far bigger donor base than, than Virginia tech does. But I mean, the money that's going to be pouring in for this and, and around the country is going to be wild. And I mean, Texas A&M's got those, uh, got the, they got the oil money, right? Penn state's got what farm farming, <laughs> right? Um, Farming ice cream, maybe the creamery can sponsor some guys. Uh, hopefully they're not lactose intolerant, but you know, it, it, I don't know how they're going to be able to keep up. I, I just don't. I mean, hopefully guys like maybe Saquon or other, or Chris Godwin or big name guys like that could step up. Uh, maybe if John Harar makes it with the Eagles, he could step up. I, I don't know. And and it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out because There are going to be teams and big-time programs that get left in the dust because they just can't financially keep up. And that's going to be the reality of the situation, good, bad, or indifferent. And I think that's, that's right where we're heading. Whether that happens at Penn State, I don't know that that's going to happen. But at the same time, it's definitely, definitely possible.
0: Jared, I want to close our awesome podcast here. I'm going to drop some knowledge on some people based on what you just said about being lactose intolerant. This has nothing to do. With, <laughs> this has nothing to do with football. But I'm going to ask you, and everybody think to yourself, what percentage of the people are lactose intolerant? What do you think, Jerry? What percentage uh, of people are lactose intolerant?
1: I feel like forty percent.
0: This came up in a trivia question we had when my family was in Orlando a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, and we were all sitting down there, and we're like, ah, I don't know that many people that are lactose intolerant. It's got to be like eight, ten, twelve percent. I don't know. I mean, I- I, I, cl- I literally don't know of hardly anyone that I know of that's lacto- lactose intolerant. Do you?
1: I know a few people, actually. A yes. few?
0: Out of how many people that you know? 100? Oh, yeah, something like that. You know what percentage of people are lactose intolerant? What's that? 65%. Can you believe that? That two-thirds of the people you meet, I couldn't believe it. They, they gave the answer at this trivia contest we were playing. In Orlando, and I'm like, "Come on, that's ridiculous." Looked it up. Two thirds of the people you meet have some form of lactose intolerance. So (laughs) what's crazy is I think what's I think what's bigger there is how many people don't
1: realize they're lactose intolerant.
0: That that very well could be true, but and look, maybe it's a slight form. You can only you can't deal with certain. Anyway, that has nothing to do with Penn State football, but I just I didn't want to miss an opportunity since you said lactose intolerant. I didn't want to miss that chance to drop that awesome knowledge on people because if you're out there guessing 65%, then that, that's incredible. I would have never thought that number.
1: Probably work in some dietary field. <laughs> but lactose intolerant aside, uh, lactose intolerant awareness, um, for Corey Geiger, I'm Jared Prugar. Thank you, as always, for listening to the We Are Podcast the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. We'll talk to you again next week. Got milk?